This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. All right, uh, welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Jen Lupero. She is the owner and founder of Alpine Fit, an Alaska-based gear company. Thanks for being out here. Thanks so much for having me. So because school just ended about 30 minutes ago, my first question has to be, uh, you are now a, a business owner, but where were you sitting your freshman year of English class and uh, what were you doing during class? Oh my goodness. Oh, you mean high school? High school, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm from um, Canada originally. So I was in Ontario, Canada, small town, English class. I'm trying to scan who was my... Uh, <laughs> wow, you're really like taking me back. Dust off those files <laughs> in the brain. Um, I was probably complaining about what books we had to read because I'd rather choose my own adventure muddling through having to write my first essays or whatever it is they teach us in first year English. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Maybe like later in high school, I remember. Do you teach English? Yeah, I teach English and always have the conversation about, you know, it's not, no one's going to ask you specific plot points about this book. It's more about mm -hmm. those other skills that you develop and what can be transferable skills to something else. And are you, are you dependable? Do you, do you show up on time? Do you work hard and, and those sort of things and how you can leverage those things into being successful. So was okay. there really well, anything that you learned from high school that really prepared you for this uh, specific career? I would say later years in English class, I do distinctly remember. I remember two teachers. One of them was Mrs. Pope, and she really focused on uh, women authors mm. and women in literature, short stories, and all of these sorts of things. And I really remember deep diving on those subject matters because of her. And perhaps that has informed my synergy I seek out with other women-led gear brands mm -hmm. and I didn't actually think about that until now <laughs> no I, th I think that's a that's a big point sometimes you don't um, yeah. you don't realize that subconscious sort of influence and there are kids who like I don't remember my parents ever saying specifically that you have to get good grades it was just kind of an understanding that I was gonna I had to work hard and the expectation was that I was gonna do my best and that was really it and yeah. things just kind of happened I was the kid that my parents never had to check if I did my homework. Also, I just did it. And um, my extremely nerdy claim to fame is like getting 100% three times on calculus Ooh. in, in 12th grade. <laughs> um, three different tests. So I don't know. I guess I just have a keenness to uh, dive in and do a good job i did well on my essays but you can't really grade those a hundred percent like you can math <laughs> oh yeah there is no sub, there's no objective answer it's like oh this isn't uh, this is bad this yeah. is unique but yeah so if you were to say that uh well, what's the skill that's helped you consistently uh do what you've done and you you have a pretty impressive career within the uh, gear industry you work for some some big brands you're going to talk about those a little bit but what's been kind of the specific trait that's helped you achieve what you have 
creative problem solving and problem solving within constraints. Doesn't matter what those constraints are, doesn't matter what the problem is, if it's a life, work, family, whatever challenge. I love a problem and I love the constraints that make you have to figure out the solution mm-hmm. that what, will work. What are some of the companies that you've worked for? Uh, well, out of um, when I finished my undergrad, I finished it with a degree in chemistry and I had been working at Lululemon uh, in the stores in Vancouver in Canada. And uh, they hired me into the materials department at Lululemon. And then when I moved to Alaska, my husband's from Juneau, Southeast connection there. (laughs) When I moved to Alaska many years later, I worked uh, here in Anchorage for Scoop, the snow skirt company. Their North American head office is here in Anchorage and a couple of other things in between. Mm -hmm. So what about the gear, I guess, world inspired you to kind of go off on your own? Was it something that was specifically missing? Was there something that you wanted to to contribute or what was that uh, venturing off on your own like? Okay, well, um, I am a problem solver. I like to find solutions for the problems and I love when I can know that there's these, you know, attributes and things that I want to exist in the world and also try to find the solution, how to bring it to exist. So the other piece of the puzzle of my career I missed out in sharing there was uh, I owned a retail store when I lived abroad for five years. <laughs> uh, and I that was another problem to a solution. I needed to live abroad for a handful of years. I opened a lingerie and swimwear store of a Scandinavian brand, and they had over a hundred sizes. So a, North, a regular brand might have 24 or 36 bra sizes between cup sizes and band sizes, but they offered over 100. Wow. So I saw what it was like for people to get a custom-like fit right off the shelf that someone else had already done all the extra tailoring and design work to do, and that it could be ready-made and have this function in this person's life. So nerding out about tech fabrics, seeing the awesome opportunity for fit and then kind of marrying that with my love to be outside for extended periods like three-week kayak trips in southeast alaska or backpacking or pack rafting in the brooks range all things i love to do what are the solutions that bring cool products to the market and then can fit more bodies so more people can have that cool product work for them how do you or what is the starting point how do you get materials to kind of test? I mean, there are things that have been invented already. Do you, how do you order stuff to be able to then mess with or test or try to improve on it? it, When people come up with this new fabric type stuff, I'm like, I don't, well, how do you, how do you make that happen? Yeah. um, Well, you have to do a lot of research and know what sort of properties exist out there. And then literally it's just like, follow it up the food chain who produces the fiber that has that end result? Okay, try to get a meeting with them. Stick your neck out and be like, okay, I'm this tiny brand that barely exists in Alaska, but I want to work with your fiber. Mm. If you take me seriously, like this could be a serious relationship. Get that meeting and then you find out what fabric mill can work with that fiber that also works with the other types of fibers that you want to have. And then see if you can find a way to convince them to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. And they might have a fee to do a development with them. And you literally just, you know, bolster up all the confidence you can and say, hey, take me seriously. Please make this fabric for me. I'm willing to pay you and I'm planning to grow this business. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this is the beginning of that process again. 
there's it's an unbelievable time to be in the outdoor space in any regard because what people are coming up with as far as comfort wise and you know weight to warmth ratios and all those sort of things are unbelievable as the consumer i'm just thinking i didn't even know that i needed this but this is so great to have you do a lot of base layer type stuff so what were some of the key things that you were looking at as far as improving on or or developing something that doesn't really ex exist or didn't exist to your liking Okay, well, I do love merino wool, and most of your listeners are probably very familiar with merino wool um, and its awesome attributes to be lightweight, warm, and have an odor-resistant quality to it. There are other times and use cases, and certainly people who can't wear wool, um, but times where you want something quicker drying. So my pursuit was to come up with this other alternate in your base layer realm, your kit, that is your quick dry, sun protective, wear it for a week of sweating, camping, sleeping, hiking, hunting in your case. Um, and it's going to continually resist odors. So you can literally wear it extended periods of time. Um, and also like feel comfortable to have against your skin. So that's like the flagship base layer top that I'm wearing right now for women. It's our Rendezvous Ridge long sleeve. For men, it's our tree line long sleeve. It is that fabric. It's your one shirt that can be your sweaty summer hiking shirt or your cross country skiing, snow machining, whatever it is you're into in the winter mm -hmm. shirt. How many iterations are you talking about here? Because there can be good enough to send to market, but especially if you're trying to kind of start a start a buzz or, or create a buzz, it has to be pretty good. So was there a point where you just thought, this is exactly what I want, or I need to get this out there so I can get a lot more feedback and then, and then maybe tweak it a little bit? How long was that process? Oh, man, a couple of years uh, before I was really willing to say this is good enough to put out there. And I had a lot of people surrounding me that were helping with the wear testing, telling me it was more than good enough, like do it. Mm. <laughs> it's way better than B plus work, you know, like this is it, you should go. And the hang up I had, uh, so how many iterations? I mean, a lot, um, several iterations on the fabric and several iterations on the style lines of the shirt. And um, ultimately we did go to market with, um, the first version of our silver fiber containing fabric was not the polyester component was not recycled polyester, which really bothered me. Mm. Um, but that was the case of the fabric mill that I just described that journey with was like, you're too small. It's too costly for us to bring in this whole other type of recycled poly version of the yarn you want to use to blend into this. Let's, we have to get started with this. If your order size goes up, to you know x higher amount then we can talk about the recycled poly version so the shirt was good the properties were good um and everything but we had to go to market with that non-recycled poly version first for me to exist as a company so that was like a tough thing but like you know something you have to stare in the face and be like this is what it takes okay yeah the the cost thing is so it's a tough thing when you're buying stuff. My, my wife and I are trying to outfit our, our house. And so we're looking at chairs yeah. and we're having a conversation as we drove in. We want the best chair, but we're yeah. not willing to pay all the money for it. It's like, well, the, the best, the perfect chair does not exist, A. And then we're trying to get something for 150 bucks when the best chairs are probably like 300 400 $500. So uh, yeah. how do you manage that that cost, not only of creating a quality product, but also, you know, there's a lot of additional costs i'm sure with uh with running out of you do at least 
a portion of it, most of it in Anchorage? After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. Yeah, so we have our own manufacturing facility. Um, certain products are exclusively made in Alaska. Um, so we have a really clear um, grip uh, or understanding of the work and effort that goes into it. And, uh, oh man, this could be a huge topic, but basically we underpriced ourselves badly for the first very long while because I just wanted to put what I thought was a competitive price on it out there. It turns out we were selling ourselves short the entire time. And I made some really tough decisions in October of this past year to drastically increase our prices. I mean, I told our customers for a whole month, like shop now, these prices are changing, better shop now. And a lot of people did mm -hmm. <laughs> in September of last year. Uh, but, you know, after now being in business for four years and having made, you know, essentially the same product consistently, you know, small iterations to improve it, we have a very clear idea on what the cost of the materials and the labor to produce this style is and did a big analysis. And it was like to exist as a business and for this a product, this product to exist, this is the price it has to be at. And it's hard and it sucks because it means you're pricing out a lot of people but that's where it is and then hopefully we can do some fun creative things to um you know well either it ends up being like a very careful thought out long um time for someone to build up to wanting to have one of our base layer tops um or it's something that they need. I'm kind of stumbling on what to say here because it just sucks to have to have an yeah. expensively priced shirt. Like yeah. I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. but if I want to have a business and I want it to exist, it has to. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things too. There's the idea that you buy once, cry once. And that does yeah. make some sense, but that's also what some people use to justify big purchases. But at the same time, if, if you want something yeah. good, like plan on having this thing in five to 10 years, if you buy something yes. cheaper and you have to buy it two or three times, yeah, yes. it makes a lot of sense to to have this because yeah. you're going to have it. It's not going to break down. It's not going to be yeah. one of those things where, man, I was miserable in this. I paid $50 for this top and it didn't insulate yeah. or it wasn't good. Like, Yeah, buy yeah. something that's quality and good and, and have it for a long time. 
Yeah, and we truly try to make um, kind of like a bomb-proof construction on it. And um, the technologies we're using aren't, there's an anti-odor silver in quotes, uh, technologies that exist out there that are just a chemical that's been washed into the fabric. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is. This is actually silver at the fiber level in the yarns that make the fabric. It's a permanent technology and the odor resistance is just a benefit of body odor bacteria not being able to thrive in a silver environment. So it's like a permanent feature. Mm. You can wear it for however many years to come and that silver will still be there. Yeah. The washing off of waterproofedness and of, of odor stuff like that's such a deceptive thing right now it is and so you can mark it up there but unless it's like mm -hmm. you say down at the molecular level then uh you're going to be disappointed after a while yep absolutely so what's your your outdoor recreation program this time of year up in anchorage oh let's see well yesterday in anchorage was the alaska ski for women and further to my point i made earlier about supporting women in the outdoors and women-led businesses. I, of course, went to that. I have an eight-year-old daughter, so we skied uh, cross-country Nordic skiing in the, the skate race uh, at the Alaska Ski for Women, so that was fun. On Saturday, we had the opportunity for some childcare, so my husband and I went on a quick backcountry ski lap at uh, one of the local um, Chugach Front Range spots at Arctic Valley. And, you know, any given day of the week, if I can squeeze it in, it's cross-country skiing or biking or running. Um, that's kind of what I do in the winter. I love winter. Probably love it just as much as summer. <laughs> yeah, there's people up there that talk about, because you have all those great sports up here. Southeast here, at least Ketchikan, up further north, you get a little bit more uh, of, the, of the snow weather. But it's just been raining. I think we had 15 inches of rain in, in January, and it's just... Ah, man, I, I, I got brand new skis last year and got them fitted so I can do some touring. I got skins. I'm all ready to go, but we just don't have the ex extensive network of trails nor the snow to really do that a lot. But yeah, yeah it's kind of tough. I've never, I've never visited Ketchikan or not yet anyway. I've spent quite a bit of time in the Juneau area because my husband and his extended family are there. Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of the outer coast, you know, Sitka, Huna kind of places. Um, but I'd love to get to catch a can. It's, it's worth stopping at. Uh, it's an acquired taste as, uh, as a lot of places are, but, um, yeah, pretty nice. This, uh, yeah. kayaking that you, uh, did in the outer waters, what, uh, when, when was that? And what was that all about? Uh, that was definitely pre kids. Uh, <laughs> so that was a while ago. Um, let's see, that was probably 2009 ish. Um, which we did a really big trip. We've done a couple since, but our really big like trip of a lifetime kind of thing was uh, three weeks we spent on the water and we basically kayaked from Huna to Sitka and really took our time and explored and went in every little nook and cranny and a couple of times and things like that. So yeah, it was about 175 miles by kayak self-supported we planned it all ourselves um, my father-in-law is a retired boat captain out of judo so he really helped us with you know safe little spots or right. spots he'd been eyeing all of those 40 years he spent <laughs> on the water <laughs> yeah. to go camping and explore um it was truly a trip of a trip of a lifetime um you know highlights like stopping at white sulfur hot springs north of sitka um and other fun little places like elfin cove 
Yeah, there, there's so much in between these areas. And I remember growing up in Southeast and we would take the take the ferries for basketball trips and whatnot. So we'd go to Angoon and Huna. But when you're going there as a kid for basketball, you don't appreciate everything in between. You don't appreciate anything. You get there and just, you know, where's the store? Is it open? Is it a cool store? Where do you walk around? Yeah. But the, the towns and their individual identities is just such a cool thing to have because you're not on the road system. It's not like down south yeah. where each community is pretty much the same thing. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. And there was a point, um, we had a lot of rain. I mean, you just prepare for it, but the first nine days of that three week trip were rain, but you like, don't recall that it was raining for some reason. Like, it's just so fun. You just have like, you know, wear a brimmed hat, have your dry suit or rain jacket or whatever your kit is for, for being out on the water. Um, and then there was another period of nine days in the trip that we hadn't seen another boat or person mm. for nine days, wow. like not even a boat on the horizon. And it's like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, designing the kind of gear for those types of things is kind of probably where the idea started was like, you've got this kit that you've got to shove in a tiny dry bag and stick into a boat and be good for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Cause you got to pack three weeks of food. Yeah. It was a little bit, uh, disconcerting or a little bit nerve wracking when you're out there and you don't see anything. Uh, there can be kind of a conflicted, oh, this is awesome to be alone, but you know, I wouldn't mind seeing something. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were probably, a bit, you know, we were a bit younger at that time. So uh, maybe a little bit um, less worried about, I mean, we were pretty well prepared though. We had a VHF radio. We knew how to check the weather, check the emergency channel um, or use the emergency channel. And, um, my now mother-in-law, um, it was before the days of the inreach. So we didn't have an inreach, but she had like rented, borrowed, begged someone for a sat phone. So we were checking in with them every three days by sat phone, which is, you know, a lovely luxury. And now inreaches make that a lot more easy to have a safety device with you in those locations. Yeah. Uh, I went up on the Brooks range or on the hall road to, uh, to hunt caribou in August and, I was expecting that sort of isolation and I was kind of disappointed because people talked about after cold foot, there's nothing. Oh yeah. But, but there were trucks and there were other hunters <laughs> and then there was people who were working on the, on the, the pipeline. Then you can drive to dead horse and you can go to the store and, you know, spend $10 for a, a couple Snickers or something. So it was kind of, kind of disappointing because I was really prepping for that feeling of absolute isolation and being in an yeah. area that's, I mean, it's pretty desolate and it goes on forever, but you know, you're going to see someone driving in, 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 a, in a little bit. So it was, it was kind of, it's kind of different. Yeah. Um, I've been up there, not on the highway that far, but I've been in the Brooks range twice. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool up there, but you're right. There are people up there doing trips and working and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and things. Yeah. It's a good feeling to feel alone and, and to have access to that is, is really nice. But then having it on your own terms, it takes a lot of just some skill that you uh, kind of inherently collect or through experience, you kind of know what to expect. And so you don't, if things do go a little bit South, you're not in panic mode. You can kind of understand Mm -hmm. and Hey, I've been here. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to handle this. Were there any uh, instances during that long trip where things got, I don't want to say hairy, but things were maybe a little bit, okay, we got to, we're pushing the comfort level here. I would say, yes. Um, we, I mean, just like sort of the fun story, storytelling point that comes to mind was you're so aware of bear protection the whole time. 
and you're seeing so much wildlife and nature so many bear sightings so many sea lions otters etc it's like just part of the landscape at some point but when you pull up and find a nice little campsite on a nice little beach on a nice little island and you think ah home for the night and then someone is like are those two sea otters swimming towards our island and you realize they're two bear heads yeah. sticky <laughs> swimming towards the tiny island you're on um it was not as tiny of an island as we thought and we just did all of our best practices and we had no problem but mm -hmm. you know that was one sort of like oh yeah okay you can't ever kick back yeah um and then you know we had some rough water uh we ended up waiting like four days before we could get out on one of a like a true outer coast mm. sort of long day we had to do out on the outside so um you know, we just had to like start and stop a few times and not push it too, too hard because, mm -hmm. you know, kayaks are pretty, they're pretty robust, but like three foot swells is a lot for a kayak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I'm the guy who nearly drowned trying to get into one. I was explaining yeah. to a buddy of mine how to get in there and I rolled it and it was like, I was underneath it, you know, it's a foot of water and just feel like I'm just a moron. But, um, <laughs> and then you get in those things and yes, they're, they're safe and they're solid, but you know, when seals start coming up to you and they start making noises and it, it can be, yeah. um, I I'm somewhat comfortable in a kayak. My wife is, is much better. She's done some glacier based stuff and she's, she's pretty adventurous, but I'm, I'm kind of a land person. Fair enough. We're all different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading, um. I don't know what the name of the book was, but, uh, this, this guy was out, um, he was going to do this big loop trail and he had some experience with being in the outdoors, but then he, um, so he went to REI and bought all the stuff, bought the maps and whatnot. And then he, as he was out there, he got turned around, lost the trail and then made up camp, but then hiked from his camp. So left his food, left his, uh, his tent and sleeping bag to go oh, no. search and just like, Oh my gosh, guy. This is, this is, wow, this is not good. And I'm just listening to this book while I'm, I'm painting baseboard in the house. I'm thinking this is, this is not, not good. Um, yeah. Do you, what recommendations would you give to people who want to come up and experience Alaska and want to do rugged, bold things? Um, it maybe kayaking sounds like awesome. They want to do the same sort of trip and they've been out in lakes and they've kayaked a little bit or paddle boarded. What would you recommend to someone who's really gung-ho about these really epic adventures that at this point to you is is pretty easy thing to do? Uh, you definitely, well, you need to remember it's not Disneyland, you know, just because you can go buy a boat and go out and do something doesn't mean that it's at any means like it's not a hamster wheel. It's not Disneyland. Like you just have to know. Uh, the line my father-in-law told me on my first trip to Juneau, which was back in 2004, it's beautiful, but it can kill you. Mm -hmm. Straight up. That was his advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not uh, a laughing matter to joke about death at all. Um, but I would say what we did to get into that is, is we basically like interviewed, if you're not going to go with somebody, which would be the first best option would be to go with someone who's done it before and make sure they're really aware of what your ability level is. Um, if you're the person who, you know, maybe you've done pack rafting in the Grand Canyon or maybe other places that are really extreme that I've also never been, interview people who have done the trip that you want to do and gone to the places that you want to do. Take your maps, 
with you and have them note on there safe places that are good like you know campsites weather wait out spots and things like that i mean we had hale's dad my fa- my father-in-law map out the entire coast of all of the things he knew about on there then we interviewed someone who was a friend of the family who had gone on these rowboat trips out there for mm-hmm. years and just got like the tough unvarnished truth on how crappy things can really get Mm -hmm. when it really gets crappy and be prepared for it and then have emergency communication but don't don't rely on that as like your get out of jail free card yeah so as as independent and rugged and protective of alaska as alaskans are they are extremely helpful and willing to to well i guess be helpful in in, to be redundant but um how um, how do you look for opportunities now, kind of on this other end of it? How do you look for other opportunities to be involved with stuff? Or um, if, if someone was new to Anchorage, where would you encourage them to meet up with people? Or how do you find people to, to talk to or interview, as you said? Okay, like to if you were, what do you mean? Like if someone's moving here and wants to know what to check out in Anchorage? Yeah, like best places to, to go. Is it a, a Facebook um, groups okay, yeah. or how to get involved? Yeah. I mean, first of all, any person I meet ever, if they have questions that I can answer, I will talk at length about all of the things that I love to do and the places that I like to go. Um, I would recommend there's some really fun meetup groups in Anchorage to dabble in hiking and seeing new places. Um, And then there's a ton of Facebook groups with a lot of good information where you can find partners that are maybe more skilled in doing those sports in those locations that you could go with. So yeah, there's a lot of Anchorage or South Central Alaska Facebook groups with a lot of good connections and and information. Um, Yeah. And then I actually know a local hiking guide, um, Matt from Go Hike Alaska. He does a lot of um, day hikes local to the Anchorage area and some overnight trips if people need connections for where to start to to get outside. Did I see that uh, you went on a a yurt um, adventure or something like that? Are there some yurts up there? Um, there's a really, really special, cool place, um, that's maintained by, a, um, a nonprofit called Alaska Huts, and it's just off the Seward Highway. Um, it's called Manitoba Hut. Um, <laughs> and they, they that group hosted a women's backcountry ski weekend. So, um, it's pretty much accessible by ski or even by foot or snowshoe, depending on the conditions right, right off the Seward Highway. And, um, yeah, you can rent, you know, anybody, if you can get a booking there, could rent the hut or yurts or a bunk in the yurt out there. Uh, But, yes, like a week and a half ago, I was part of a women's backcountry ski weekend. So, like 30 women stayed in these huts and uh, went backcountry skiing and just kind of shared knowledge. You know, we split up into sort of beginner, intermediate, advanced groups and just, you know, celebrated getting outside and having new friends to go do these activities with. Mm-hmm. Pretty That's awesome. so huge. The winters up here, cause they are dark and they can be really, really miserable, but, and as bad as social media is, it's really good connecting point also to people who have, who have like interests and are willing to kind of help yeah. you get through that. And that's a lot of fun to be able to be involved in those sort of things. And, um, and pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I, I have my own feelings about social media. I certainly do it for the business <laughs> and in ebbs and flows. <laughs> but yeah, if it, that's how I got connected with that. And then that's how I'm maintaining connections with some of the people that I met there. So 
uh, as much as I'm reluctant to admit it, it's, it's, you know, created a great experience and some new friends for me in the last two weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how do you gauge that? Because it's obviously free marketing. Someone would be crazy to not utilize that. So how do you measure yeah. I'm using this for marketing or brand building purposes or, or connecting purposes versus I'm just watching reels about people going off jumps and I'm wasting time. <laughs> I think that anytime you turn it on, you waste a little bit of time at least. Like there's just no way to not. That's what it's designed to do. So forgive yourself for that, I guess. <laughs> um, I would say that I've tried a lot of different things. We've tried to use it a lot and it's exhausting. And then it turns out that, that we're not even putting out there what our followers or customers want to see. They want to see the more you know, organic behind the scenes things. So I should try to point the camera at a sewing machine more often and behind the scenes, just silly things that I think no one would want to actually, see. not, not silly things that no one would actually want to see, but things that I'm like, Oh, that's not perfect enough mm -hmm. to put out there. Um, I think when I read your website about, um, you know, not worrying about a persona to have to put out there, mm -hmm. um, that resonated with me that I like really struggle with that because it's like, I always have the best time when I show up as me yeah. and I always have the worst time when I'm like trying to like, I mean, I'm a little nervous right now <laughs> and I can feel it happening and I just need to shake it off and be back to me. Yeah. Uh, that's what people actually want to see. And that always gets the most likes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to fall into the trap of trying to be like someone in the industry, which is just such a, I don't know. I don't want to be the 300th person to have a podcast about the exact same thing. It's nice to just have conversations and, you yeah. know, with people who are getting after it and it's different realms, but still the same sort of thing, trying to create something and, and dealing with all those same sort of issues. I do find that I fall into the cycle of maybe not capturing enough of the, um, you know, emotional or like stressors or challenges behind the scenes because those are never the time you want to point the camera at your face so but i do know that people probably also want to know that those exist so i would say like just take all social media with a grain of salt we try to put out like things we think that people would want to see but if people want to see me like pulling my hair out over tough emotional decisions you know tell me i guess <laughs> that's the hard thing too because there are so many people who are so like performative and we've seen so much reality TV yeah. show where they're just, yeah. you know, faking this or faking that. And yeah, I, think I can't imagine myself being like, and now's the perfect time. Let me just yeah. point the camera uh, at me and catch these real tears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. But that's, that's the stuff that it, sometimes people are really good at, at figuring out or identifying someone who's, who's doing a performance versus someone who's legitimately showing what it's like in the behind the scenes. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, I would say that if you ever see sort of like a retrospective photo of a fun time and then the caption is like 800 words long, it means I've just come off of like some real hard <laughs> work that week. Yeah. <laughs> and this is me like, I've come to the other side, people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, give us the pitch for the um, for the gear. Where can people find you? Where can they order? Where can they follow you on social media? All that stuff. Okay, so it's alpinefit.com. Our uh, Instagram handle is at alpinefitco. It's the same thing on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And we are physically based in Anchorage, Alaska. So if you're in Anchorage, we love visitors. So you can come visit our workshop. Our address is on our website, alpinefit.com. And we op opened a little shop within a shop in a women's bike boutique in Anchorage called AK Cycle Chic. So that address is also on our website. It's right beside Barney's Sports Chalet, which some of your listeners might <laughs> 
be familiar use that with, as yeah. a yeah. as a point of reference. But yeah, we're we have a little shop close to there, and um, we otherwise you can order online with us. We have uh, free shipping for a certain threshold of dollars. So if you want to try and see what your size and fit would be. Um, that you can do that. But I didn't say what the gear is. So our gear <laughs> is basically adventure essentials. So all the stuff we make has to work for, you know, five to seven plus of your favorite outdoor activities. So we really boiled it down to essentials that are super versatile in your wardrobe. It starts with base layer. So we have base layer tops um, out of that odor resistant sun protective fabric I was talking about base layer bottoms. We have another uh, piece of clothing called bushwhacking leggings that have a water repellent and abrasion resistant front. Um, and we have a lot of like actually very thoughtful accessories. Our accessories aren't just merch or swag. Like I'm wearing right now, our really lightweight merino wool hat. It packs super small. Uh, it's really comfortable for sleeping in and uh, neck gaiters and headbands as well. So there's lots of gear for men and women and all made out of really technical fabrics and all of our products are made in usa and a lot of our products are certified made in alaska that we make in our own factory in anchorage awesome that was great that was a very thorough pitch <laughs> kind of did it backwards but <laughs> hey it's, you got you got it out there so that's uh, that's what we're looking at no well uh thanks for for your time appreciate you being on here i'm definitely going to check out the, the website and then uh see uh i'm sure my my wife's birthday is coming up so i'm sure there's stuff that she would like on there too awesome well thanks so much i appreciate you uh taking the time to chat and uh yeah hope this hope the snow comes for you for your backcountry ski it kit. would be nice <laughs> we we've seen the sun today for the first time in about four days so um okay but uh well enjoy uh, the sun yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, thanks again. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Bye.